good morning. We're so glad you guys are here with us and got out today. It is a nasty, nasty day out there, so we appreciate you taking time to spend with us, starting the new year with us, and to let you guys know there is a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, if you've not downloaded the Journey app, make sure you do it. There's so much stuff coming up. Uh, there's a men's Ford's breakfast on February 5th. Uh, then our What Is class is going to start. It's a three-week class in which we kind of take a deep dive into the Bible and how we got it and what it means. It's coming up at the end of this month. There's only 30 spots available because we want to make it a class where people can stop and ask questions and talk through everything. Uh, there's a ton of kids and youth activities. They're going to Skaterama. Uh, I don't understand, like, skating parties are, like, cool again. You guys remember when we were kids, like, people go skating? Uh, but it's cool again, so they're having a skate party, and all kinds of stuff is coming up going into the, you know, winter and into the spring. So make sure and download the Journey app. Sign up for most stuff through the Journey app, as well as the men's breakfast and some other stuff. And I know that April is taking all you ladies to go see some movie sometime soon. You're going to cry, and it's going to be a great experience for you, I'm sure. But that's coming up soon as well, so you can sign up for that. That as well. I give her a hard time uh, about that redeeming love. I read a book last year called How the Revolution Began. It's one of the most dense books I've ever read when it comes to theology, and it's like 275 pages, and her romance novel is like 600 pages, and I'm like, how does that work? Like, how, anyway, so you all don't care, neither, okay, anyways, we're moving on. So, uh, so we are wrapping up this series. If you're new here, we're so glad you guys are here. Stop by the Welcome Center. We've been in this series for six weeks, and we are landing the plane today, and we started this series with the question of, do you ever feel like the world isn't the way it's supposed to be? And of course, the obvious answer is yes. And we've been kind of talking through how we kind of got to where we are. And so to kind of recap, uh, we're going to start again in the book of Genesis. And today what I want to do is I want to challenge your thinking about reality. And so a lot of this will be theology and some of it's going to be philosophy and the way that we think about the world that we find ourselves in and especially the time that we find ourselves in. And so the first book in the Bible is called Genesis and it's the book of origins. It's the story of how we came to find ourselves in the world. Now, when you study the book of Genesis, what you have to understand is the writer of, of the book is doing a very condensed version of how everything goes on. And so their main point is not to get everything in detailed order exactly the way everything kind of mapped out, but more importantly, to give us an understanding of how God created and our relationship with God and how that story kind of began. And in Genesis, it begins by saying that God created the heavens and the earth, and that after the earth, he created um, human beings, which is us. And once he creates us, he creates us special. We're made in the image of God, so we're a little bit different than all of the rest of creation. And we see the story kind of unfold of Adam and Eve, who kind of represent the beginning of man. Now, Eden is where they are placed, as we talked about six weeks ago, that it was perfect and right, and everything was the way it was supposed to be. It was the way that God intended the world to be. And we're given a lot of details about, about Eden. We're talked about all the things that happen in it. There's these rivers that run through it. And at the end of these rivers, there's these two trees. We talked about this several weeks ago. There's the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we talked about that, that with these trees that man is given a choice. They can choose to stay in line with the peace and harmony that God has intended for the world, or we can choose to take our own path. And as we see in this story, in this temptation, that man chooses to take its own path. But it's an interesting idea that God has such respect for his creation and his creatures that he gives us the choice. He gives us the ability to choose in how we're going to live and what type of world that we are going to create. We can follow in the path of what he has intended for the world to be like, or we can choose our own path. 
It's almost like God says, it's your choice, and it's still our choice. In fact, we said that maybe the truth of the Adam and Eve story, maybe the greatest power of the story is not so much the way it happened, but the fact that it's still happening. That every day as human beings, we're given the choice as to what type of world that we're going to cultivate and create with God. Now, in the garden, God gives man the invitation to cultivate and to help in the ongoing creation. It's not like God did all the work and then we just kind of followed along. It's this interesting idea that he almost like partners with us in the cultivation and the creation of this ongoing world. And he gives man meaningful work. It's not just busy work. He actually gives man cultivating and interesting ideas of how they're going to participate in the world. There's one small detail that a lot of people don't think, but I think it's pretty fascinating, is that when, when it comes time to name all of the creatures of the earth, that God gives that responsibility to man. Now, I assume that God is perfectly capable of naming all of the animals, but yet he gives this responsibility to early man. He allows them to be a part of this. And so it's like this sense from the beginning that God is looking for someone to partner with in the cultivating of the world that he's given and the arranging of the world and the creation and the ongoing creation of the world that we find ourselves into, which from a theological standpoint for me has always been interesting that God has this strange habit of turning things over to human beings, which if I was God may not be the route that I would go. And so from this opening scene in the story, human beings are in this meaningful labor and this partnership with God. And the important detail is there's harmony between God and people and people and each other. And in the middle of this ideal world that's been created, there's a tree. Now, that's how the story begins. Now, at the end of the Bible, there's a book called Revelation. And Revelation is kind of the last book that we see in Scripture. And in the book of Revelation, it's a brief snapshot again into how everything may end. And at the end of the book, it's interesting, God actually says, I'm making all things new, which is a strange ending to a beginning, right? And so he's making all things new. And in Revelation chapter 22, we're given details about this new creation that he's going to create, this new heaven and this new earth. And one of the details that we're given is that it's going to be this place of peace and harmony between God and people and all people, and that people will cultivate and work together towards this peace and harmony, and that there's also going to be giant rivers that run through this land. And in the middle of those rivers, there will be a tree. And so what's interesting about it is if the Bible were a movie or a story, it opens and closes with almost the same identical scene, that there's a place where people live in harmony with each other and with God, and in the middle, there's a tree, which raises the question, do you and I live between the trees? There's a tree here and a tree here, and we live in between. And if we live in between the trees, what does that mean for us and the world that we find ourselves in today? Now, to understand the greater story, the first thing we have to understand is time. And so we're going to talk about time just for a second, and I'm going to lose some of you on this, I know, but let's just go ahead and have some fun anyway. So with time, uh, the Bible continually prays God as living existed forever. So let's say this is the tree in Genesis. So the Bible teaches us the idea that God existed way before the tree. And then at the end, what we see is that God exists way past the tree. And so there's a God who stands outside of time, who has no boundaries, who has no borders, who has no edges, forever, eternity. 
Now, let me go ahead and tell you, we cannot, and it doesn't matter how smart you are, we cannot wrap our finite minds around this, around something that lives forever, eternity. It's just almost impossible because we are bound by time. Everything that we do is a construct of time, and it's hard for us to think about something living outside of time. And we are very dramatic about our time, aren't we? Like for some of you, you might say, well, you were in the checkout lane forever the other day. I've been elected by the group to be their spokesman to tell you that you didn't. You did not live forever in the checkout line, right? Or or how about the other day, the traffic? It was terrible. And so you might have been tempted to say, I spent eternity in traffic. No, no, you didn't. It was a blip. It was a bleep. Like, we're just like that on the radar screen of eternity. What's interesting is that we see this idea that God exists outside of time. Okay, but we don't. And so the question is, if we live between the trees, then maybe the time that we see ourselves living in, the time in between the trees is just a blip on the radar screen of eternity. And your life and my life is a blip on the radar in between the trees. Do you want to hear the most depressing thing that we see in the Bible? The Bible reminds us over and over again that our life is but a vapor or a mist. And it's over. It smells good, but it's over, right? (laughs) And it's done. That's it. Like we are just this vapor and this mist. And yet we're told about this God that's always been and always will be, that exist outside the realm between the trees. And so it's this weird thing that we think about when we think about this world that we find ourselves in, this life that we find ourselves in, this space in between the trees is simply temporary, right? So for example, how many of you have a watch on your wrist right now? Right? It used to not be cool to have watches, and then Apple came up with a watch, and now it's cool to have watches again. Right? And so everybody has a watch. Now, the way that times works that we understand it is we run on a 24-hour cycle. Right? Okay, that 24-hour cycle is based on the way that the, world, the earth rotates. Right? And so we have this 24-hour cycle that we all live on. And so our concept of even a day is based on these celestial bodies that are outside of us. Okay, and then when we think about a month, the 31, 20, 30, or 28 day, it's based on the lunar cycles. And so our understanding of even a month is based on the way our relationship with the moon. And then a calendar year, which is 365 days, is based on the earth and its rotation around the sun. And when we get all the way around, we call that a year. So think about this. All of our notions of time, whether it be a day, a month, or a year, are based on these celestial bodies outside of us, all of which we know, regardless of what you think that date is, had a beginning and will ultimately have an end. Everything that we see in between, our even understanding of time, is temporary. It's an invention. It will not be here forever. And our lives are a blip on the radar screen of all of that. And the time, as long as it seems that we find ourselves between the trees, is again another blip on the screen of eternity. Now, how do we wrap our minds around eternity? So let me give you a little bit of an insight. Um, I remember growing up in church, I don't know if you did, and I was taught that when we die, we're going to spend forever with God, which sounds good, until I was told that forever with God means that we're going to sit around and sing songs all the time. 
right? And then it sounded really miserable, right? And I was like, what's the other place like, you know? Um, and so, but if you were to pause and think about that, like this idea, of, 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 that's not really how it's going to be. And in fact, the Bible insists over and over again, this new creation, this new earth will be more like this one, just without all the pain and suffering and tears and heartache. And so the way I like to think about it is this. Do you, do you have some hobbies that you like? Do you like to go certain places? So for example, my, my happy place is the beach. We got to go there as a family just right before the, after the, new, before the new year. And I tell you, when I'm at the beach, the days seem so short. Like they just go so fast. Or maybe it's hanging out with friends, or maybe for some of you it's working with your hands or a project that you do or a sport that you do. And you have this feeling that, that like when you are there, you're most alive. And what happens is when you're most alive, when you're most enjoying the moment, what happens is it goes really fast, doesn't it? And all of a sudden, you look at your clock and you go, you're watching, you go, it's been six hours, and it just felt like 30 minutes. And you get this sense of you lost track of time because you're enjoying it. You're, you're there, and it's where you're supposed to be. On the flip side, I would guarantee that many of you also have times in your life where you don't want to be there. Maybe it's here right now, all right, and you're sitting there, and what happens? Time seems to take forever, and it's going slower and slower. Maybe what we have to understand is that when we're, we are where we are supposed to be, in the moments that we were created for, in the time that we were created for, in this place that we enjoy, time is irrelevant. So maybe what's going on is that God, when we find ourselves in those moments where we feel like we were created for this in these happy places and these places where everything seems right in the world, even if it's not, in a place where we feel like we're free from crying and pain and heartache, maybe in those moments what God is doing is giving us a tiny glimpse of what forever will be like with him. Maybe they're a little snapshot of what it will be like forever. Although it won't be forever then, it'll just be now. And so maybe that's what this is about. But the interesting thing about this idea of eternal life and forever is what's fascinating is we get so caught up on this idea of time. And so for most of us, our understanding of living between the trees is this, is that we live and then eventually we die and then we go somewhere else and eternal life begins. What's fascinating about this is Jesus and the writers in the New Testament never speak as eternal life as something that will happen someday. They always speak about it as something that's happening. They speak about it in such a way that we have this understanding of one day we'll die and we'll fly away and all that good stuff. But when we come to see what the New Testament talks about, they talk about this idea that when you enter into a relationship with God, who's always been and always will be, and he's the living God who doesn't change today, forever, or anything, when you enter into that relationship, you enter into forever then. And so Jesus talks about this idea that when you enter into God, you enter into eternal life that starts now. And so if you're a Christian, you're living in this interaction with God and your relationship with God, you've been redeemed, you've been restored, you've been rebuilt, you've been rebirthed, and you are living forever with God now. It's not like it's going to happen someday. It's already started today. And that death is just this brief little blip on the radar. It, it's this invasion of the way it's 
always been and the way it will always be. And that our lives and our life with Jesus isn't something that happens eventually. It's something that starts here and now. Now, if I was the devil, which is a strange sentence, but anyway, if I was the devil or if I was this evil force opposed to people experiencing God, what I would be focused on is getting people distracted from the idea that their life starts now. I would get them distracted, so focused on the idea of living between the trees that they get everything else confused, this time space thing. And so what would you do? Well, what you do is you get people so busy and so focused on the moment right now. You get people so busy with all of the things that they could have done and should have done and all the things they could have done and the things that they regret. And you get people so out of sync with each other in a world where we create conflict and comparison and envy and where we get people to talk about each other poorly and there is no harmony and there is no peace and there is no sense that our eternal life starts now, but there is a sense of one day it'll be better. Not now, but one day. And if you get people so distracted, maybe you come up with some sort of device. I don't know, something you could carry in your palm, right? That would have you in a million different places in a moment's notice and get people distracted from the life that is before them. Eventually what would happen is it would become harder and harder for them to be fully present and connect with the living God who's in their life right now. How many of you have this feeling of uneasiness that you don't feel like you have purpose? You're so distracted by all of the things that come from living in between the trees. Or maybe for some of you, you're so busy. Or maybe for some of us, you're actually not busy. You feel bored. And so you're trying to fill your life with all of this stuff. Can I tell you what my struggle is? And maybe you relate to this. My struggle is I'm always moving to here, but when I get here, I'm always thinking about there. And then when I get there, I'm always thinking about there. And it's like, I can't live in the moment. And at some deep level of our souls, let's be honest, we know it's not working. It's not healthy. It's not good. And so maybe we're just so distracted between living in between the trees that we lose sight of the God who stands outside of time and has invited us into something that will always be and has always been. Now, if that's true and we've already entered into the promises of God, the eternal life of God, the promise that he gives us, I guess based on the track record we see of living between the trees, the great question will be, what kind of responsibility and work has God given me? See, from the very beginning, what we see is that God gives man meaningful work to cultivate the world as the way it's supposed to be. And if you and I are people that have been invited into this relationship with God who stands outside of the trees, then what type of work have we been invited to? What type of cultivating have we been invited to in this place? When Jesus starts his ministry, what's interesting, he tells people parables about how people are given certain gifts and talents, about certain things that they're given. And the question is, how did they use those talents? As they live in this space, in this world we find ourselves in, what did they do with those talents and those responsibilities that they were given? 
So the question for us is, well, what have we been given? What types of talents and what type of responsibilities and passions have we been given that we can share with the world, that we can use to cultivate the world that God has created? Now, I, I know what happens. A lot of you feel like, well, I don't feel very talented and I don't feel very special and I don't feel like I get up on a stage and use a microphone and tell people some weird things about time and then like, be engaged at least for 10 minutes, right? Okay, I don't feel like I can do any of that. No, the reality is all of us in this room, every single person, has been invited into this story. And you have been given talents and responsibilities and relationships and things that God has given you to help in the cultivating of this world. Jesus' famous prayer is this. He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Which is the idea of inviting the way it's always been and the way it always will be into this world right now. And so what have we been given? The interesting thing about this idea is this. Did you ever notice that whenever we see moments of goodness and peace and harmony, it's almost like an invasion of the world that we live in, right? It's almost like when people do the right thing, when people love people un, uh, without, without regard, when, when people do these amazing things, when we see people rally around things, it almost seems like it's an invasion of this world based on everything else that we see. But let me ask you this. If peace and wholeness and health, if harmony, if a Jewish term, shalom, is the way it's supposed to be because it's always been that way and will always be that way, then maybe those things aren't the invasion of this world. Maybe the invasion of this world is brokenness and disease and pain and sin and death. And the things that we get so fixated on are actually the things that are invading the way the world is supposed to be. Maybe peace and harmony and wholeness aren't an invasion, but they're the way things really are supposed to be. And maybe what we experience now, maybe we, the heartache we experience, and maybe the pain that we experience, and maybe even death is the freak of nature, not the goodness and the peace and the harmony that God invites us into. And so the question is, if I have this living, breathing relationship with God, are there certain ways in which I'm supposed to engage the world? See, I believe that God is doing something in this world, and I believe that God has it all figured out, how he's all going to put it back together. And I believe it's not my choice to figure out how it's always been and how it's always going to be. But here's what I do know is that I've been invited into a relationship, and I've been invited into the cultivating of this world. I mean, how depressing is it if we're just hoping and waiting versus being people that are inviting in the kingdom as Jesus prays into this world here and now? See, I don't know about you. I can't wait forever. And I don't think that's what we've been invited to. I need a faith that's about today that helps me understand the world I live in today. The world that you and I call home, this place, earth that we call home. And my understanding of the message of Jesus is that he invites us into the God that lives within this place here and now, and you and I have all been invited into the story. 
Jesus invites us into this electric life that God insists is available to every single one of us right now. The question is, are we willing to respond to that? When Jesus, when Jesus calls these first people, the term that's used is disciples. And disciples is the idea that we're going to live and do things in a certain way. Or we're going to try to be like Jesus. And it's almost like this idea that they're, they're learning how to be a certain kind of force in the world. A certain kind of presence in this world that we find ourselves in. They're working to be people of peace and people of mercy and people of grace. And the question is, for us, is are we doing the same thing? Are we people working together for peace and for justice and for mercy and for grace? And so we live in between the trees. We, we live in between the tension of something that's happened and something that will happen. But we've already been invited to partner with God in the redeeming and the restoring of this broken, hurting world. Not just me, and not just people that work for churches or people that you do, but all of us. We've all been invited to partner with him in the cultivation and creating. Not someday, but now. And so the question is, we started with six weeks ago, is do you ever get the feeling that things aren't the way they're supposed to be? And the answer for all of us is yes. And I think the question that some of us have, if we're honest, is when we see the heartache, when we see the tragedy in the world, we say, well, where is God? And I think as C.S. Lewis once said, the great question that God would respond is, where were you? If you're the hands and feet of Jesus, if we're the people that have already tasted the goodness of eternal life, of forever with God, where were we? And so we live between the trees, but we've been invited to participate in things outside the trees. Our eternal life starts now. And what we experience, even death, is an invasion of the way it's supposed to be. And so the Bible begins and ends with an image, a choice. I have a choice, and you have a choice. And we've always had a choice of how we're going to live as we live in between the trees. And so the world is not the way it's supposed to be. And so the ask is, what are we going to do about it? What type of world are we going to cultivate? Let's pray.